so goofy. Give it up for Kendall and Cole. I absolutely uh, enjoy that. Um, I love, uh, the whole thing was great, and, but a few things that really stuck out to me when they were recording and then getting to go back and watch it uh, last night and, and prepare for this morning, um, Kendall's definition of joy, you know, um, was so, so great, you know, and, and, and I love that, you know, this idea of joy isn't, and, and Cole said something absolutely, I think, and it's wrapped up in the whole point of my message, which is that it's not necessarily just about the good things, but a lot of times the greatest joys come from the worst moments in life. And we don't like walking through those, but at the, at the end of it, the, the, the reward of walking through tough times is that we see what God is doing, and there's a joy. Um, and then at the end, when they say, it's not about the tangible things, um, you know, they're good. You know, it's, it's, it's like when you get your kids stuff, and then they start playing with the box, and you're like, why, why do I even spend money? I should just go to the dump and get some boxes. Like, I, I'm gonna go around and knock on neighbor's doors. Like, you got some boxes from the gifts you're giving your kids so that my kids can play with something? Like, you know, it's not the tangible things. It's the moments. Um, and, and so we're gonna look at what is joy. So the third week is, uh, in, in the Advent wreath, is joy. And so I'm gonna start off with the, uh, the quote that I've been starting every week off, which from Henry uh, Nguyen, which says, the Lord is coming, always coming. Now, remember, Advent means coming or arrival. So the Lord is coming, that he's always coming. When you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you will recognize him at any moment of your life. Life is Advent. Life is recognizing the coming of the Lord. So this week, the, the week, uh, the third week of the Advent is, is joy. And so just like every other week, we first light the two weeks prior to us, hope, love. And you would think that it just keeps going in order, but it doesn't. It goes to the pink candle. And that's because the, the color pink represents joy. And so we, I almost thought that one went out. And so we light the third candle about joy. Now this candle, the joy candle, is also known as the shepherd's candle, okay? And the whole message is centered around these handful of scriptures in Luke where the angels show up to the shepherd. And joy is quite possibly the deepest, most common motivator of all people in all times. Think about it. We want joy in our life more than we want most things. And a lot of the things that we want or that we say, the way that we articulate what we want, comes back to the fact that we want joy in our life. We want love. Why? Because it creates a, a happiness or a joy. We, you know, people who chase money, why do they want money? Because they think it produces joy. People who uh, chase relationships, why? Because they think that it produces joy. It is one of the greatest, most common motivators in almost everything that we do. We go to great lengths for joy. When you discover something really good, you can't help but respond. It's like it draws something out of you. The moment of discovery, that spontaneous split-second flutter of delight in something truly good, that's joy. 
Think about that, that first time you ate your favorite dish at your favorite restaurant. You didn't know it was your favorite dish at your favorite restaurant yet, but you ate there and you go, oh, that's it. Like butterflies more than meeting somebody. You're like, how do I get this more often? You know, or you see your favorite movie and it creates this, this overwhelming emotion in you and, and you're like, oh, like those are the moments. That is the tangible expression of joy. You know, I, it's, it's all of us. And I think food is also a common denominator of joy. I really do. If you, if you don't believe that, your taste buds are broken. Um, and, but think about it. And it may be all be different. You know, my wife gets off on all those vegetable stuff. Um, some of y'all eat, you know, artichokes and weird things like that. Uh, I prefer that my, my food is, I find joy in, in, in food that had legs first. Um, right? Amen? Okay. Listen, if it mood or oinked, you know, it's probably going to be amazing, okay? Uh, and so that's where I find my joy. And, and listen, a, an amazing steak is life-changing, okay? If you don't believe that, you haven't had it yet. That's what I'm just saying. Like, there is there's something about uh, chasing a good steak. And, and, but it creates, it's like, it's like that moment. It's that euphoria moment of like, oh, my gosh, I could eat myself silly with this thing. You know, to where to the point where I'm sick. It's joy. <laughs> joy is not sick, okay? But it's good. The Christmas story is a story about something truly good. And what happens when we take God at his word? And here's the key part of this message today. When we take God at his word amidst our fear, not just take him at his word when things are good. Not just take him at his word when we've got it all under, uh, uh, under control or when we feel like we know what's going to happen. It's when we take God at his word, even amidst our fear, we discover joy, and that joy draws forth praise. So I have, I have a, a few thoughts, but they're really more just like, points to throw out at you so don't get overwhelmed with how many there might be today because they're more like quick thoughts as we travel down Luke, okay? And the first one I want you to point out that I'm going to point out today is found in Luke 2.8, and it's that the mundane and the miraculous. So many times in church, we're chasing the miraculous. We're chasing this euphoric spiritual sense. And I'll say this, even outside the church, everybody's chasing it, even the atheists. The reason why they say they're an atheist is because they're afraid to allow the emotions attached to what they can't touch, see, or hear. But every religion is chasing some type of euphoric moment with this God. And the reality is, is that God, although he shows up in the miraculous, it's typically through what we're doing in the mundane, the everyday life. And you see that in Luke, uh, when, when, the, when the angels come to the shepherd, Luke 2, 8 says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. There's nothing special about that statement. Nothing special. There was Chris sitting in his school classroom, grading papers. There was Rodney working on a toilet. There was, fill in the blank. It, there's nothing special about Luke 2.8. Nothing. 
The, the reality is, is that, and you go, well, then why does it even need to be there? Because everything is important. And, and, and God knew that we would need reminders that it wasn't, there was a kingdom with a king sitting in the palace and the angels arrived. It wasn't the rich people sitting around a table and, and God showed up. It was the shepherds were watching their sheep at night. And it was in the moment of this mundane, everyday, normal moment. They weren't sitting around singing kumbaya and having a Bible study. They, they, weren't, they weren't doing anything special. They, they weren't in the middle of this deep three-hour prayer service. They were literally just doing their job. Shepherds were among the first to hear the good news of Jesus' birth. In the middle of their workday. And here's the thing, and this is where I think when we get this, when we get this, when you get this on an independent individual level, because you can't catch this just by a pastor saying it or being in the middle of it, it literally comes in an aha moment, literally in the middle of your day at some point, that my everyday, normal, coming and going life is what God wants to use, not my Sunday morning. Now, obviously, my calling is this. This is what I believe God has called me to do, which is preach God's word and lead people and to, and, and, and to operate as a leader within the church. But he's more, he, he's more, he cares more about what I'm doing between the Sundays to show that my life really does reflect his goodness and his love and his purpose. Everyday life, nothing out of the ordinary, yet God shows up. God comes to you, and listen, catch this, God comes to you where you are. Every other religion says you've got to go to God. Every other religion says you've got to do something special. Every other religion says you've got to act a certain way. Every other religion says before you can even know him, you've got to become better. And Jesus says, I'm going to meet you where you're at. Shepherds were the lowest, some of the lowest jobs that you could get. They were smelly. Oh, they were smelly. Think about it. Your best friend's a sheep. How many of you talk to your animals, right? Okay, let's, if you got an animal, you talk to them, okay? If you don't, you're not human, okay? We, 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 talk, to our, we talk to our animals, and could you imagine where your, your job, your, your one job is, is you're, you're herding hundreds of sheep. You start naming them, Bob, Tom, Susie, maybe, I don't know. And, and he's, hey, Bob, how was your day? You know, it's like, there we go. I don't know what the first one it was, like a cow, goat, sheep mixture. Um, you know, but they just start talking to them. They didn't have a whole lot of friends. They would have like one or two people out there. The, 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 the shepherds would, would kind of, if, they, if there was a massive group of uh, sheep, they would roam together and they would have the head shepherd and then they would have like the, the apprentice, you know, and then they would have the guy who goes around scooping up poop. And, and, and so, you know, you have those different people. And, and so you had very few people that you were talking to. And so for the most part, you're, you're talking to the sheep. And yet in their everyday life, their moment where they're just doing their job, God comes to them where they are. And that's the, the greatest response for us is that God's gonna come to you where you're at. He doesn't make you dress up. He doesn't give you an address on the far corner of the world where he can be found. He finds you. He comes precisely to the place where it seems he is least likely to come. Sometimes in the darkest of despair, sometimes in your worst moments, 
I've heard people tell their story. Um, I knew a guy in uh, California. He's, he talked about how uh, he was so in despair that he sat there with a gun in one hand and a Bible in the other. He said, God, if you're real, you've got one night to show me. And he just started reading the Bible. Changed his life. In the moment of his despair, where his options in his mind were, pull the trigger, or God, you show up. And so in the moment of despair, God shows up. In the moment of of joy, sometimes God shows up. In the moment of the ordinary, God shows up, and he shows up where you're at, and he doesn't ask you to do anything other than follow me. See, it was in the mundane that the miraculous happened and the angel showed up. The second thing is that, you, that we see is that there's fear and joy as a combination. Luke 2, 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And it says what? The shepherds were filled with great fear. I don't know about you. If an angel showed up in my room, I'd be pretty scared too. First of all, I don't think that they're as pretty as we make them out to be in the movies, um, but uh, that's just my person. Because if you read some of these descriptions of some of these angels, they, they sound like, you know, scary. Um, but, you know, maybe it was the pretty one like, you know, Gabriel or Michael or, you know, whatever. And they shown up and, and, and it says that the shepherds were filled with great fear. There's no doubt when one is in the presence of God, there's an associated condition of fear. Not in a church service, not just in a worship moment where you get the spiritual goosebumps, but in the presence of God, there is a, there's a real, like when you've been in a, in a moment, whether it's in a service or in your room, because it can happen in both, um, where you know that you know that you know that God's presence just came and showed up, like sure enough, just changed the environment. There is an absolute fear that you're not worthy. Why me? I'm not clean enough. I'm not good enough to be in the presence of a God. And so they get scared. God's glory and man's fear are correlated. We avoid fear like the plague, right? Most people, okay? I'm going to say most people. Like 99% of humanity. There are some people that they live off of it. (laughs) You know, um, Travis uh, Pastrana, the uh, X Games guy, dirt bike guy, uh, he actually has a medical condition where he literally doesn't feel fear. Like, I don't, they actually ran studies on him uh, and, and he just does stupid stuff and that's why he's broken like every bone in his body uh, because he literally doesn't feel fear. But for the rest of us out in the real world, we have a, a healthy relationship with fear. It's, it's kind of that, 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 that level, right? And so, so we, we, we tend to make decisions on how fearful we are. We, we try to avoid it as much as possible. But our aversion to fear has an unattended consequence, and that is this, that fear has deafened us to the message which is only made audible through our fear. We avoid our fear, but in doing so, we miss our joy. Because in the moment of fear, when it, when it comes to God, when it comes to, to being afraid of stepping out, when it comes to be afraid of being who God has called you to be, what happens in those moments of fear where you don't feel like you're good enough is God draws out his goodness and implants his spirit in you and shows you that you can. He took shepherds and he told them that the king was coming. Joy is hope in the midst of hardship. That's what Cole's talking about. 
is that in the middle of, of some of the roughest moments of his life, the, 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 the end result was joy because he walked through it and something great happened or he learned something from it. There was something that arise up and said, I am a better person for walking through this. I am a stronger person. I'm close. How many, how many times have you walked through a tough time in life and when you lean into God, you come out and you're like, I'm closer to God because I went through this. So many times we stand on the outside and we go, God, can, I, can we like not do this? Can, can I just have my happily ever after and like skirt through the bad times? And he goes, you can't have joy without walking through. You, you can't have all that I want for you if you don't build that character up in you and learn to trust me. Joy is hope in the midst of hardship. Luke 2.10, and we're going we're gonna to come back to this one um, again, but the very beginning of this says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Fear is, if nothing else, makes us present. How many know that, you know, and how many have been fearful and your senses get heightened? <laughs> Little spider senses start standing, not mine because I shave them, but, um, but, but, you know, you start to, whoo, you start to, oh, man, I told you, listen, you, if you ever want to know, you know, except for some of you that love the dark and whatever, but for the rest of us again, you know, drop you off in the middle of the wilderness with no flashlight. Everything's your enemy. You're, 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 if you don't have something to stab or poke or shoot, you're grabbing something. Because every little creature, I mean, it could be the tiniest of creature, and then, you're like six foot five is coming after me. Let's go. It heightens your senses. Fear heightens us to our surroundings. It makes us alert to the moment. Like hearing that startling noise, we, our ears perk up. And when we walk in life, where we walk through some of these moments where our fear, our spiritual fear rises up, our senses start to perk up and we start to know our spiritual surroundings. We so often try to hide from our fears or numb ourselves to them or try and foresee every possible scenario and control every possible variable in order to mitigate our fear. I know I'm talking to nobody in here, right? None of you ever try to mitigate the fear by, by trying to control the circumstances, control every decision, control every person's possible outcome to your life. But the reality is, is that you can't. And so at some point, you either have to trust God or you have to be willing to understand that you're going to make a mess of things. Not everything. But the reality is, is that if you're going to be in control, you're going to mess some things up. I just want you to know that. And God comes along and says, in the middle of your fear, if you'll just trust me, if you'll just walk with me, if you just get a little close to me, I promise you that that fear, it may, it may feel a little, uh, it, you may not like it, but I promise you on the other end of it, man, there's a joy that you will never be able to produce. He said, fear not. You see, when we do listen to God amidst our fear, the message is marvelous. He tells us, hey, we're about to walk through something scary, but don't fear it. I've got you. So if you go back to Luke 2, 10, he ends with this. So he says, don't be afraid. And he says, I bring you good news. So don't be afraid in the middle of your fear, in the middle of hurt, in the middle of pain, in the middle of, uh, of, of walking through some of the worst moments in your life. Don't be afraid. I'm bringing good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not some of the people, not the good people, not the people that deserve it because nobody does. He says, I'm bringing joy for all people. So for, hear me. 
you worst in the room, whoever you are, <laughs> he, he came for you. For you straight-A students, me. He came for me. For you goody-two-shoes to, to the ones that have broken more laws than they know what to do with. The same God came for each person. And he says, I'm bringing good news to the felon and to the person who has done everything right so that they can say that they're the best. I'm bringing the same good news that freedom is coming through Jesus. And fear is going to produce the joy that you're searching. And so he says, fear not, because even that scary moment, I've got you covered in. Behold, there is good news of which you ought bear witness. When you do, it will be great joy. So we get to Luke 2.12, and it's joy's birth. It's where, birth, where, where, where the world finds joy in its, its most amazing scenario. Luke 2.12 says this, and this will be a sign. This is the angel still speaking to the shepherd, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in a swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. That is not how I ex anybody expects the world to be won. And they definitely, listen, it would be like an angel showing up in Camden, Arkansas, and then picking the most shut-in person in Camden and showing up to their house and being like, I just want to let you know the whole world's about to change. Go spread the news. I don't talk to nobody. That's what he did with the shepherds. He shows up to, listen, nobody wanted to talk to, Linus, right? Charlie Brown, we're getting really spiritual here. Okay, what did he always have when he walked? A blanket and dust. Oh, who? Whoever. The guy from, from Peanuts, okay? He always had that cloud of dust, and he's just, nobody wanted to be around him. He stunk, he had the cloud of dust. It's like, oh, God, here he comes. That was shepherds. God chose shepherds to speak of his birth, to go spread the news. And we wonder sometimes, well, how could God use me? Why would God use a shepherd? I, I, I'm not good at this. Listen, the shepherds weren't good at much. That's why they're shepherds. I mean, honestly, here's a stick. Make sure the dumb sheep stay with you. By the way, all sheep are dumb. Don't hate on me. It's just a fact. They'll Listen, they'll walk right into the wolf's mouth like, oh, I'm good tasting. Eat me. They're that dumb. And, and so they needed a shepherd, and they carry a stick, and they would beat the shepherd or the sheep and stay in line. And They were not the top of the pick. So if God's going to use a shepherd to tell the world about his coming, he can use you to do whatever he wants. And at the midst of God's birth, he used the, one of the lowliest jobs to speak of the greatest joys. And in your life, he wants to use where you're at. And you have got to stop telling yourself you're not good enough. you got to stop telling yourself, why would God use me? For the same reason that he would use a shepherd boy uh, to, de to defeat Goliath, and the same reason that he would use shepherds to pronounce his coming, is because he is not looking for what looks right. He's looking for what is effective. He wants to use you to spread joy. It's not in a palace, it's not flashy, it's not large, it's not at a Macy's window display, it's not in the bigger houses or the nicer car, it's not in the empty promises of upward mobility through your job, it is not in the supposed dream lives. It's not even in your half-decent attempt to become a better person. 
The birth of joy is small and easy to miss. It's hidden in the most unlikely place there in a manger. It's all the joy that we've ever hoped for. If we would just go there and trust him. And so joy's birth leads to joy's action. Luke 2, 15 through 16. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. After beholding, the shepherds took a risk. They could have easily said, whoa, we ate something really bad. That was a trip. And just gone about their day. Can I tell you that so many times God speaks to us and we know that God speaks to us and then we go, oh, but was that really God? We second guess the very things that God speaks to us and we talk ourselves out of being who God has called us to be. Go talk to your friend about him. Mm, no, nah, that was just a bad burrito. Mm-mm. If they wanted to come to church, they'd ask me about it. No, they won't. No, they won't. You want to know why? Because we all want to be invited. We all want to be a part of something, but we don't want to force our way in. Nobody likes being the unattended third will. <laughs> like, hey, y'all going on a date? <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> want to pay for me? <laughs> They're like, no, go away. <laughs> Get out of my face. Nobody wants to. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, we're going to church. Hey, want to invite me? I'll go back to it, 80%, actually 88% of people will say yes to going to church on an invite. That won't show up if they just have to on their own. Why? Because they'll talk themselves out. When we first launched, when we first launched, Sarah uh, uh, Cook, Anthony's wife, they're not here, she's got a migraine, pray for her. Um, she, She talked about her very first time that she came here, which I believe was the very first Sunday, Nancy, is that correct, or the second? First. So Nancy and Sky had invited her and she talked to, she, it, it's an awesome story. She said she pulled in and, and even as she's pulling in, she's like, mm, no. Like she's already making a strategy to leave. And as she's walking down the, the corridor here to come in, it's, you know, that, that anxious feeling. But she, she pushed through because she was invited. And the shepherds, they pushed through that awkward, we're showing up to somebody else's birth. We don't know them. We're smelly shepherds. Think about how awkward that is. Mary and Joseph are are already in an awkward position. They're they're, they're sleeping out with the the cattle and all of that. The only place they have to put their baby is in, in, in this feeding trough we call a manger. And now you've got smelly shepherds showing up on the scene. Hey, we heard you had a baby by the angels. That's creepy. They took a risk. And they followed the angels' advice. And this is where it gets hard for us. Modern marketing plays to our desire for joy all the time. Our minds are littered with counterfeit promises. Buy into this trend, this relationship, this career path, this new phone, this political leader, this new method of raising kids, and you will have joy. Buy now and we'll throw in happiness and riches. We believe it. We buy into it and we, and we chase it in so many other things. The Bible says, trust no man like that. 
right? Don't follow any man just for the sake of they think that they're going to promise you things. Don't, don't buy into riches just because you think it's going to make you happy. We buy into the marketing of joy and we chase it. And the shepherd said, we could go about our day because we're nothing but shepherds and we can go back to our sheep or we can follow the angel's advice and we can go find the savior born. Time and again, we invest too much into a small promise and are let down. How many have ever been let down by a promise? It's harsh. It hurts. It makes you not trust the next promise. And the problem is we trust all these counterfeit promises. Buy this, do that, get into this relationship. I remember when we were 21 years old, me and, me and Stephanie, and, and we had no business looking at a house. <laughs> we made peanuts. Um, peanuts was a look up for us. And, uh, and they, real estate agents, no, no knock on them, but I mean, this is how it went, right? Oh, the best investment you could ever get into is real estate. I feel like if you sell pizza, you're going to say the best investment you could have is buying pizza. Like, like you want them to buy your stuff, right? And so we're like, yeah, let's buy a house at 21. I'm a youth pastor that makes $30,000, and my wife works at uh, a school part-time. <laughs> and it was at the season in life where they were like, oh, you make $20,000, you can afford a million-dollar home. <laughs> like, you know, that, that ranky, you know, bad season of, of bad financial. And so we're like, okay. And so we bought a two-bedroom, one bath, 1,200-square-foot home for $360,000. Yeah! Woo! We had no business. No, no business buying that house. But we followed what we thought was sound advice from people who knew things. The problem is, just like us buying that house, which a year later, we ended up filing bankruptcy against. It then scares us to make the next big decision in life. What if we fail again? So what's the safest way not to fail? Don't do it. You know, I, I, I tried to, to make friends with, with these people. And you know what? The friendships, they didn't work out. So why make friends? I'm going to harden my heart. I tried to be good to people. And you know what? They used and abused me. And so you know what? I'd rather have a tough exterior than to let you in and get close to me. And Jesus says, no, no, no. All of that you need to throw out the window because you're trusting the wrong promises. And my promises are yes and amen. And they are sure to bring joy. I may walk through hard times to get it, but it's sure to bring joy. But we need not be skeptical of God. His word will not let us down. His word is good news of great joy. And then you get to this amazing moment in Luke where we find that joy produces praise. So they walk through this whole storyline, right? The angels appear, they have fear, they say don't fear, then they tell them the story of what they're going to do and they have to make a decision in their life of how they're going to do this and so they go and they, and they, they find the baby child in the manger and it says when, uh, in Luke 2.20 it says, and the shepherds return. So now they've already gone, they've already paid due to, the, to, to Jesus in the manger and it says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and as it had been told to them. When we stake our lives on this good news, the marvelous discovery, we find great joy. And this joy draws something out of us, and it's praise. We find a purpose in our life to live for. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the crazy part that we think about, is that 
They went back to being shepherds. They had this amazing, I mean, like, I mean, amazing God moment. Like, they literally walked up on the baby Jesus, the Savior of the world. If there probably isn't any more of a holier moment than that moment right there, and they had their moment with Mary and Joseph and, and sweet baby Jesus, and they're worshiping him, and they're giving him honor and glory, and then they go back to their life. But it's changed them. It's changed them. And the question is, are you going to allow God to change your life outside of those moments where he's shown himself? Are you going to allow those faith moments to be held onto to go, I know who my God is, and I'm going to praise him. Joy always precedes praise, even with lesser joy like good meals, right? How many have had a good meal this week? Just one good meal. Did you, did, did you talk about it afterwards? I got cinnamon rolls for Christmas from, from my boss. Every single time I warmed one up, I was like, yes and amen. I, I walked into work the, uh, the, the Monday or the Tuesday after he gave it to us, and I'm holding the cinnamon roll, and I'm like, your wife sure doesn't know how to make a good cinnamon roll. Talked, we talked about it all week, all week long. All, all three of us in the, in the CID were like, those cinnamon rolls probably have drugs in them. They were so good licking our fingers and, you know, I'm like, I have no more cinnamon rolls, by the way. I was really sad. I was thinking about licking the pan, um, but I thought that's, that's probably not okay, and so I threw it away. Some of you, I, I see your posts. How, how do we know that restaurants are good, especially in this day and age? We, we post it to social media, right? We do, and we have no, sh- listen, we have no shame in that because we want other people to know you got to go try this. Oh my gosh, this place was so good. And then we get to Jesus and we're like, well, you know, I'll let them know who God is in my life if they ask me about it. Isn't the greatest gift, the greatest joy in our life, shouldn't it be far more greater than any good meal or, or a good movie? And, and when we see a good movie, do we not tell everybody to go watch it? Like even if they don't like it, I can't tell you how many times, oh, this, listen, <laughs> my wife's not in here. It's okay. I think, no, she's not. She put a movie on the other night. I think it's on Netflix. It's like a night's Christmas or something like that. You know, not, you know, yeah, K-N-I-G-T-H or whatever, however you spell night, uh, G-H-T, there we go. Okay. Um, and she puts it on and she watches five minutes of it and falls asleep. The problem is with me is that like if something's on, I watch it, which is why typically I wait till she falls asleep and then I shut the TV off so I can go to bed. I got sucked into this horribly bad movie. <laughs> horribly bad. This knight just wandering around in the 1300s and finds a magic witch and sends him to modern day and he becomes, you know, falls in love with this. this la- and it's like a Hallmark movie. You can tell how it's going to go. And you're like, this doesn't make any sense. The knight from the 1300s, all, and she hands him his keys to his cars. Have you ever driven before? Well, I've got a, I've got a stallion. Of course I have. <laughs> Who's giving their keys to some knight? Just take my car. He's like, bumping into things. And then he finds, he, 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 he wins his, he, he figures out what he, why he was sent there and then he magically disappears back to the 1300s. Give me a break. We'll go and tell everybody about a stupid movie like that. No offense to those that like it. 
I watched the whole stupid thing. I can't get those hours back. Okay? I've got issues. It's a train wreck. I'm like, I should go to bed. It's like, but does he make it back? I would have rather had Ralphie shoot, me, shoot my eyes out with his BB gun. But we'll tell people about those stupid movies all day long. What about the coming king? What about the greatest joy that you've ever been given? What about all that God has done with you? Listen, you don't have to tell my story. You don't have to even tell a good Bible story. Just tell your story. Hannah, you can come. I saw this statement earlier this week when I was studying, and it's my, my last little thought, which is joy is an attitude God's people adopt. Joy is an attitude God's people adopt. It's not something that happens to us. It's something we choose. The problem with joy is that we're seeking it, but we're not choosing it. We want it to happen, but we're not willing to make it our environment. Not because of their circumstances, because joy is beyond our circumstances. That's what the Bible says, but because of God's hope. You know, it's interesting when you look at the Advent wreath. We start with week one, which is hope. Literally the foundation of our faith. Then we go to week two, which is love, which is the whole foundation of who Jesus is. He is love. And it produces joy. If you don't choose Jesus, if you don't choose love, you'll never find true joy. If if you don't choose God's way, you'll never find true joy. So many times we blame everybody else on where we are at in life. Oh, if they didn't treat me like this, I would be like this. Bull, you chose that. Now, now listen, hold on. Before, before you start, you know, sending me emails and, and nasty text messages, I didn't choose this. You're right, you didn't choose that circumstance. And you didn't choose the pain that came with it. Or the trauma that you had to work through. But the choice you do get to hold on to is whether you're going to hold on to it and make it your identity. Jesus says, I've come that you should have freedom. That means at some point you have to say that my past life before Jesus does not get to hold on to me. Joy doesn't get to happen to me. I have to seek it and grab a hold of it and choose it. When people are nasty, I choose joy. When my finances ain't right and and I'm struggling, I choose joy. People always told us, oh man, the first year of marriage is the worst. Like we had no money, it was great. I didn't have to worry about anything. Wanna go out on a date? Nope, can't afford it. Well, he got excited for pizza and Blockbuster. Some of you young people are like, what's a Blockbuster? Oh, man, but listen, we, we loved it. We would take the, 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 the cushions off of our couch. We'd lay them down on the floor. We'd have our pizza and our VCR. <laughs> and our eight-track tapes. No, you know, and, and, and we just had a great time. Like, problem is, is that so many things in life, we, we point the finger of why we're not who we want to be. And we're just so 
on so many levels. Well, you don't understand. You, you don't have fear when it comes to talking to people. Bunch of bull. Everybody does. I don't, the most extroverted, outgoing person still fears when they walk into the room. They do. I just choose that it's not going to control me. Well, that's hard for me. You're, yeah, it's hard. The best decisions in life are hard. And Jesus says, listen, it's not going to be easy to follow me. But Chris, I promise if you do, joy waits on the other end of it. My purpose waits on the other end of it. Hope is on the other end of it. You could go this whole life and do it your own way, and you're going to have ups and downs, and you're going to have great moments in life, Jesus or no Jesus. The hope of life, the hope of eternal life, the the purpose of life, the, the joy in life, they become sweeter with him. And I can't stress to you enough as we wrap up that joy is a choice that God's people adopt. I choose joy because God chose me. I choose joy because of God's plan and the outcome and the good and the bad. Because I choose joy, I share joy, I share his word, I share his love and his purpose. I'm not saying by choosing joy that your life will be the greatest thing ever to be ever again. But I'm saying you'll have a perspective to be able to walk through the hardest moments and know you're not alone. That you'll have a family that's backing you and praying for you. Have a God that's walking through it with you. I choose joy. Because the alternative sucks. It really does. I mean, I'm going to say it bluntly. Maybe this is not right, but I'm going to say it bluntly. Why would anybody choose the alternative? And the enemy would get you to say, well, there's no way out. There's, you can't just make yourself happy. I'm not talking about happy. I'm talking about joy. Happy is circumstantial. Joy is not. Joy says... The circumstances are, when you walk out, if you had bills to pay when you walked in, you have bills to pay when you walk out. Joy says, despite those bills, I'm trusting God, and I'm going to do everything I can, and then he's going to step in, and he's going to, he's going to help me in my environment. If you have health issues, guess what? You're going to have health issues when you walk out, unless God does a miracle and, and heals you. But like Paul, you're going to be able to sit there and say, You're going to tell God, God, take this weakness from me. And he's going to say, "Mm, in your weakness, I'm made strong. So walk through it. I've got you. It's a choice. And when you tell the enemy that, I choose joy. I choose joy because of love, because I have hope in a Savior. Like the shepherd, you'll start to tell everybody you know about this amazing, loving God. Will you pray with me? feel like some need prayer this morning for for a different mindset. You want joy, but you have allowed the enemy to lie to you so long that you don't even know how to choose it anymore. That your mind always goes to the worst what if. Goes to the worst sin that you've ever done. How could God love me? How could God use me? 
So the enemy tries to fill that moment where you should choose joy. And you don't because the enemy lies. If that's you this morning and you're just like, man, I just, will you pray for me because I need a mindset rearrangement to choose joy. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. Would you lift, nobody's looking around. I just, I want, I want to pray for you. Thank you. Amen. God sees those hands. God sees those hands. You have to choose it. You have to tell yourself spiritually to believe it. Write down scriptures that are going to remind you. Put people in your life that aren't going to pull you down, but build you up, encourage you, remind you of God's faithfulness. God, I pray for those that raise their hand. I truly believe that joy is, is one of the things that we seek so much, God. But we seek it in a way that we can make it happen and we haven't trusted you with it. God, your word talks about choices. Matter of fact, in Deuteronomy, God, your word says that you lay before us life and death. In other words, you, you lay before us the choice to, to live in joy or to not live in joy. And you said, you choose, but I would hope that you would choose joy. I hope that you would choose life. So God, I pray that there's no magic words that I can say that can help them choose it. But I pray that your spirit would walk alongside them. Holy Spirit, those that need it, more than anything, God, I pray that you would send your spirit and every single time the enemy would start to pop off little lies, that your spirit would remind them they are a child of God and so therefore they have the choice to tell the enemy to shut up, that they choose joy. tell their own mind shut up I choose joy I choose God's way not my way I choose God's thoughts not my thoughts I choose God's answers not my answers and so we lean into your understanding that's what Psalm says God that I lean not on my own understanding but I lean on the very will and word of God his ways are higher than mine and so God I pray joy I pray joy over this season. I pray joy over our lives. That God, it's not about the circumstance. It's about the mindset. It's about the spirit that's inside of us. And if the living God is in us, then therefore joy is in us. And we, we go and we live it out. We make decisions every day to choose you. So Father, I thank you. Thank you for your goodness and kindness. I thank you for your love, for sending your son to live a life, to show us what it means to, to truly live for you. And then he chose to die on a cross so that we could be free. No longer bound by the, the worries and the, the hurts and the pains that have held us back. The past does not control us. I look forward to the future and I choose joy. God, I pray this season that we choose joy. I pray when the enemy attacks us this week, we choose joy. We speak to the devil. Nope. Not today, Satan. I choose joy. I choose God. I'm not going to get into the middle of that argument because I know that what path it's going to take me down. So I'm going to stop speaking and I'm going to walk away and I'm going to pray for my enemies. So God, we trust you with our life. God, help us to choose to actively walk in your way. God, I thank you for those that have financially always backed and supported not just this church, but your kingdom. And so I pray for those that give, that God, that you would bless them and that we would continue to be a church that is able to change the world change our community. All of God's people said, amen. 